This is Wayne Jurnell, editor of Theory and Research in Social Education, and this episode of Visions of Education features a TRSC published author. Enjoy. You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Michael, so we bring different perspectives to this podcast. You are still a classroom teacher. That's true. Yeah, That's I am. True. And I've been working in teacher education at the university level for almost a decade, mm-hmm. feeling very, I can't believe how, how quickly the time has passed. And you're almost a part, you're going to be department head for a little bit. Oh my or at gosh. least, at least, uh, you know. Yeah, that, that's about to happen. That's a whole nother, we might have to have like a couple episodes where everyone just tells me how to do that job. Hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm going to be our interim department chair in, in my department for this upcoming year. I'm glad but, you're not acting department chair. I'm glad you're interim because I don't like the idea of like, you're just acting it. Right. I can't be my real self then, right? It's just a, yeah, it's like a then play. You're just putting on, yeah, exactly. Well, that, you know, hey, Irving Goffman, maybe that's all we're all really doing is we're all just actors in a play. Um, But I think one thing that we do in our job is we do research, right? That's part of getting your PhD is you have to do research projects. And then part of working in a, a research institution is you have to continue to do research. And I think one of the big critiques of the work we do is that it's too often disconnected from the concerns of classroom teachers. And maybe the concerns immediately of students too. And so I guess my question for you is, to turn it back around, as a classroom teacher, what kind of research do you think we need more of in social studies to be better social studies teachers and to help our social studies learners? So I think that, so you're obviously you're aware, but the past couple of years have been really tough for teachers in general. And also with kind of like the, what it seems to be like uh, what we've been talking about government kind of breaking down, you know, these truths that we've been t- talking about for so long. And, and so like trying to, first of all, like how do we connect with students who have kind of gone through this pandemic and, you know, have kind of drifted away a little bit with, with, you know, being on zoom. And we, I mean, we had some issues kind of like reintegrating that. And so I feel like that's kind of an interesting place, kind of like how, you know, classroom teachers can, can better, engage and, uh, and, and keep our students with us. But also <laughs> I feel like more discussion about like refiguring how we teach government, how we teach civics, um, particularly with like in the wake of like January 6th, like we're still kind of dealing with the fallout and like what is right. right. And so that's the type of stuff that like, you know, going into the school year, that's kind of on my mind as I'm about to teach us one again, us one is kind of like early foundational stuff, foundational us. And so that's the type of stuff that I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. And like, I think off the top of my head that there is some stuff being done around that. If I don't know if it's the type of research that, that teachers would want to maybe look at, or maybe a department looks at and, and thinks about how could we do this? I know Wayne Jurnell had a book on the pandemic right. and social studies. And I know, you know, even in my own research, this is now I research broadly, not necessarily always a study where I'm going into a classroom. I've been trying to figure out ways to, you know, do like 
critical inquiry that doesn't play into some of the two sideisms that are becoming worse and worse, I think, in some mm-hmm. ways, right? Like that we're giving voice to, you know, hate groups or right. legitimizing them, you know, and having presidents le- legitimizing them. And so I've tried to wrestle with some of that. But again, I don't know if it's still the exact type of stuff teachers want. I think some people are trying, but it, it's kind of hard to know. It, I feel again, it's been such a tough, uh, tough couple of years, like things that I, I've like I've done for 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 a while, like ways that I've taught just it doesn't seem to engage the way that it used to be. Maybe that's mm. partially me. It definitely is partially me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, I'm aging, I guess. And so like my maybe like, you know, the the project based stuff that I've been doing, it just totally doesn't fit. And so I've been kind of shifting. I don't know. I, I would just like to know more of the the lay of the land and, and how to engage students again after kind of going through these past couple of years. That's what I would like. You know, just, just talking kind of makes me want to do a study where I just sit down with with classroom teachers and talk through what it's been like, you know, during the pandemic, you know, with the more attention to the systemic racism happening with mm. climate change and every day feeling as I talk, as I just returned back to Texas since 112 degree high today. Yeah, it's you know, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. And, you know, talk to teachers how they're doing and then talk to their students about how they're doing, right? I think listening to those two groups, that'd be a great, like do some case studies of different teachers and students to figure out like what these last few years have been like and what has changed. Because I haven't been in the classroom for a decade now. And so like I need to re-engage maybe. So that's maybe the study I need to do. Interesting. You haven't been since 2012? 2011 2011 last, no 2011 kidding. over 10 years that was the last year in the class if it doesn't feel real but i do get in classrooms a lot as much as possible i go guest teach a lot with with students and with teachers oh, right right so i think what we need to do is maybe get a broader idea of what is happening in social studies research almost like kind of like a state of social studies teacher education research Ooh. right you know to see and that'll help both researchers and teachers to figure out you know what really are we doing here That's great. So we are very excited to be welcoming in a researcher who's going to talk about research with us. Lightning Jay, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I've been listening to a lot of episodes of Visions of Ed, and it's really exciting to be on with you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, you've done a lot to help me understand what's going on in this field. And so this is, uh, you know, an opportunity for me to give back, I guess. This is my community service element where uh, I've, I've saved so much time reading articles by listening to you all break them down nicely. <laughs> Hopefully I can save someone else the time of, of having to uh, drudge through my prose. I can get some of the, those ideas out a little bit clearer and a little bit crisper. Visions of education. You'll never have to read the articles again. Podcast, <laughs> <laughs> so, the anti-reading. We appreciate it. And we always tell everyone it's our favorite professional development. We get to learn in every episode. So Lightning, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in education? Yeah, so uh, I was a classroom teacher for seven years in Brooklyn and Minneapolis. And when I came into the, when I started teaching, it was 2009. It was the height of one particular education reform movement. And I had a sense that teaching would be a way to embody some of these social justice ideas that I thought were important. But I also knew that I didn't really know how to teach and I didn't really know what I was doing. So I was excited to, to work at an organization, a, a charter organization, because they had an idea of what teaching ought to be. And as a 21-year-old, that's what I wanted. I wanted to know what to do, how to be helpful. 
And what I found was that there was a really concrete and articulated vision of what a classroom should look like or feel like. And at least at the time I was working there, there was not a concrete vision of what social studies should look like or what social studies, what it means to learn social studies. I was the only social studies teacher in my building and I was given a stack of uh, historical fiction and told to read that with my fifth and sixth graders. They were, you know, of course, all uh, historical fiction novels written by white authors, almost all of which featured white protagonists. And as I was reading these with my fifth graders in, in Brownsville, Brooklyn, I had a sense that maybe there was, there was a little bit more um, that social studies could and should be. And so that was, that was a starting point of uh, what have really been two enduring questions for me, which is uh, what does it mean to, to really learn social studies? And how do we help teachers do that? As a teacher, I, I very, very deeply felt that I needed to know what to do and I needed help. And I think that, that that's something that our profession as researchers and as teacher educators and as people who've been in the classroom is very invested in. But I'm, I, I think there's still room for us to grow and to do that a lot better than we, than we currently do that. And, I, and that's what I hear in your uh, intro. I hear Michael asking for a, a shifting uh, paradigm of how to engage and re-engage as time changes. And uh, so I think that there's, it, you, it doesn't take a lot of talking to any teacher to know that there's this desire for how do we, how do, we do what we should do and how, how do we do it better? So that's really the space that I try to locate myself in, both social studies learning and teacher education. That's really great. I remember feeling that exact pull, that same pull, right, to understand what we should be doing, especially when I was tasked for the first time with teaching a methods course. I was, you know, a social studies methods course where for people who wanted to be social studies teachers, I'm like, well, what do I teach them about social studies teaching? And it's interesting being on the teacher education side, because you do see that there's people have put in a tremendous amount of work to figure things out. But I think bringing it all together is still really a challenge for everyone, right? Like, how do you actually take many of these great ideas that sometimes have been around for a long time and, and implement them. It's not always that we need some new idea, right? Sometimes they're out there. So Lightning Jay, you're on today because you were recently published in Theory and Research and Social Education with the article entitled, The Disciplinary and Critical Divide in Social Studies Teacher Education Research, a Review of Literature from 2009 to 2019. First of all, congratulations. That's no easy feat. Thank you. Secondly, are we good saying 2009 or people still saying 2009? 2009, I think, right? To, to, to adjudicate the, the aughts for you. That's, a, that's, that's between you and, and your <laughs> Do you mind telling us a little bit about your, um, a little, do you mind telling us about your research? Yeah, so this piece came out, comes out of really me holding the same naivete that I had as a classroom teacher that I brought with me to graduate school. Because when I got to graduate school, I showed up with the same energy of, all right, tell me, what do we do? How do we prepare social studies teacher educators? And the more that I read the research, the harder it became to answer that question. When I look back, if you go back to 1991, uh, Susan Adler writes a review of the field and she calls the, the field particularistic and unsystematic. And now for over 30 years, every time someone has written about social studies teacher education, they use that same phrase. It is particularistic and unsystematic. What they mean is that we have all of these case studies. We've got so many case studies. Anyone could find an example of a good way to teach 
in this specific topic or a good way to teach in this very specific setting. But what we don't have is a conversation that unifies those ideas. Teacher education in general and social studies teacher education even more so exists in silos. That makes the field appear unsystematic. But as I began to read through the literature and as I engaged in this, in this research project of the last decade, I became less convinced that what we're doing is unsystematic. Even if it was unsystematic, surely 30 years is enough time to begin to address that. So, so I, I was able to draw on Thomas Falace's framework for understanding the various aims within social studies. And he argues that historically, social studies has had three different strands. There are some folks who want to do what he calls traditional social studies, some folks who want to do disciplinary, and some folks who want to do progressive social studies. And, and the distinction he makes is that traditional social studies is really focused on the transfer of knowledge. There are some facts that are important. I'm going to get it from my brain to the student's brain. Disciplinary folks really focus on engaging students in thinking like historians or thinking like economists or thinking like sociologists, what have you. And then finally, the progressive strand is about the application of social studies to students' actual lived worlds. I would argue, I, I take this framework up, but I argue that within the last decade, critical is a, is a more specific descriptor uh, than progressives, but it's still the same kind of framework that I think the critical frame in social studies research is focused on, on action within the world and, uh, and particularly on understanding differential power dynamics that are necessary for engaging in, in change. So I, I took those three strands and looked at what's happening within the social studies research. And over the past uh, decade, I was able to pull out uh, 1,012, 1012 articles, applied some filters to, to cut out redundancies or things that were, you know, uh, there's actually a lot of really good research being published in, in Turkey, but I don't think it was particularly relevant to the United States. So, so I, I put some filters on and I ended up with 227 articles. Did one of your filters for redundancy just eliminate all my articles? Redundant. <laughs> You'll have to look if you're if you're in the appendix. Uh, yeah, that was that was I think one of my filters was uh, no no crook cuts. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, not quite not quite. But that's like but, uh, that's like uh, the the no homers club on the Simpsons. That that was a great episode. <laughs> they could have one homer. They just couldn't have homers. So Homer Simpson couldn't go. I think that's important to just have one. Uh, so maybe you slipped through the filter. We'll have to I'll have to double check. No, I was trying to understand what was going on. And I ended up with, after further scrutiny, what I found was that, the, that this is in fact not an unsystematic field, but we're really talking about a bi-systematic field. That there are really, from my perspective, there are two kinds of social studies research that are uh, taking up most of the space. And that's, that's critical and that's disciplinary work. Of the articles that I ended up coding, 38% of them were critical studies and 28% were disciplinary studies. So that's that's the significant majority of the work. So what we're seeing is not just noise. It's not just social studies teacher educators hanging out in their own room and not paying attention to the field, but there's actually two distinct ways of thinking about social studies that are both forming their own camps. And I, and I think we haven't acknowledged the relationship between those and the way in which they're pursuing Similar, uh, similar, using similar methods to pursue different questions. It, it, when I look at them, I, I saw that they are actually similar methods. We're, we're using a whole lot of self-studies. It's mostly teacher educators talking about what they do in their room. We're seeing a whole lot of interviews. We're seeing a whole lot of 
uh, focus groups or looking at the student work. So we're kind of looking, using the same tools to look. And, and there's a, and I was heartened to see, I was happy to see that there was a fair amount of developmental design. About half the studies use some sort of either pre or post measure or some sort of kind of narrative structure to describe how novice teachers were actually learning. But although that we're using similar materials and, and similar forms of investigation, we are actually focused on different elements of teaching. Folks who are taking a critical look at social studies are much more likely to focus on the pre-service teacher's reasoning, so the thinking that goes on within teachers. Folks that are focused on a disciplinary uh, approach to teaching are actually more likely they, uh, to, to focus on enactment, so what pre-service teachers are actually able to do with children or able to do in terms of lesson design. And the disciplinary folks are more likely to look at what the teacher educator does that, that influences those things. So, so we end up seeing that there are like different theories of, of teacher learning or maybe even theories of teaching that are at work here where with the critical folks really focused on how do you get a social studies teacher to think in a particular way and, and, and to hold particular beliefs and values. Whereas the disciplinary folks are more likely to see, to say, what does a teacher educator do and what ought they to do? And, and what, how does that come to life with students? I think those are different questions. I think they're both important. But when I look at who is publishing these, and I see that there were, out of, out of new, uh, 139 articles that I coded, I found three that, were, that, that utilized both perspectives. So wow. 136 of these articles, the, the really substantial majority, are folks operating in one lane. And if you look at folks' bibliography, you see that they, people generally stay in their lane. There's, given that we're using the same methods, we're, we're all doing interviews, we're all assigning lesson plans, there's really nothing that would prohibit me from, you know, taking a disciplinary look at, does this lesson plan help a student think disciplinarily? And does the same lesson plan help a student understand the power relations of the, of the local government? There, there's no reason I can't ask both of those questions in the same interview, but folks don't. So it's interesting. It may, this is reminding me a lot of, of Stephen Thornton's book. I don't know if you've read that. Um, Social Studies That Matters is, I think, the title. We'll get it in the show notes. And he kind of points out, right, these kind of two paradigms. And of course, you could break these things down further. But he says, you know, there's kind of two visions for social studies. One is kind of more of a disciplinary vision, right? Like people who are really interested in, in thinking through history, thinking through economics, thinking through geography, thinking through political science. These, these kinds of different fields to develop knowledge. And the hope is that doing that education will result in people who are better, deeper thinkers and can affect their world better. The other field is like more directly concerned with like this democratic view of kind of social education, right? Where we're going to, we, we have to more directly address the social problems of our world and help students to wrestle with those. And so it makes sense to me that one is, it's, you know, like thinking about historical thinking, there's all these methods that have been developed over a long time for helping students think historically. So it makes sense to me that that would be, you would do enactments to, to test and kind of understand better how students do that. But for the people who are more concerned, maybe even with what we teach, right, or more concerned with you know, how students can learn to think through these problems, where our teacher candidates are coming into the field, that, that, that kind of makes sense a little bit. Um, so I'm not surprised. It is surprising only three delved because it doesn't seem like these are contradictory either. 
Can I ask you a question? How do you think the inquiry stuff fits with this? Because to me, the, the, the C3 inquiry approach was kind of almost meant to meld these, right? It was meant to bring these together because you get big, compelling questions, but you can still do disciplinary work within that, right? I think it's supposed to be set up if you do an inquiry design model you know, unit that it allows for both big questions and disciplinary work, but we're not seeing people take it up in that way. So a couple, there's a, there's a series of great observations and great questions. What I see when I look at this literature is a gap. And I think that there are two ways to think about what we do with a gap. We've got disciplinary folks over here and, and critical folks on the other side. And there's one instinct, which is to say, build a bridge between the two. And I think that that's what the impetus of the C3 is, is to say, well, they're not really so distinct. Let's find the middle ground. Let's connect them. And I, and I think that the recent article in, in TRSC by, by Santiago and Tizono does a really beautiful job of building a, a, a conceptual, a theoretical argument for the ways in which uh, inquiry should serve both of those ends. A second response, though, and the one that I'm more drawn to right now is Let's actually go down into the canyon. Let's look at the, the shape of these different sides of the chasm and understand each of these camps in their, in their fullness. Because I think that neither camp is actually complete right now. And I think that that's part of the problem. What I, so taking the word inquiry, inquiry is used in about 90% of the studies. Everyone is talking about inquiry. But it's almost always modified with the critical folks saying, well, we mean critical inquiry. And the disciplinary folks go in and say, well, we mean disciplinary inquiry or historical inquiry. So, so even though inquiry sounds like something we all agree on, the fact that we keep editing it actually isn't as a signal where we are thinking about inquiry itself. So I'm not sure that that bridge is stable enough to, to build a connection. What I think that teacher educators have gotten really good at is bringing new teachers up to where they think the starting line is. Critical folks, I think, believe that the starting line is teacher new teachers' beliefs about the world, about social justice, about students, about themselves. And they've gotten really good at the starting line there, changing teachers' beliefs. Disciplinary folks, I think, as evidenced by this literature, um, actually believe that it's the practices that are the starting line. You start by getting students into inquiry, and you start by students getting students to do this work. And what you what you think about history or how it applies to the present grows out of that. I think both camps have gotten really good at bringing folks up to the starting line, and I don't think anyone's really gotten to the end. So I don't really see any disciplinary work that shows us that if we get students to engage in scrutiny about texts, that it actually makes them more skeptical uh, readers of the news. That, that if we engage in a rich historical question about reconstruction, that it makes us better able to understand um, a violent attempt to overthrow the government today. And, and on, the, on the flip side, I, I don't see enough critical work that is saying that is showing that if teacher novice teachers really, really want to be anti-racist, that they are actually better at engaging in anti-racist work, that, that they are able to actually take these beliefs into practice and that those practices then manifest in student learning. And I think that by seeing the field as messy, or as seeing the field as seeing the field is messy, we relieve ourselves of the responsibility to finish our work uh, by repeatedly establishing this beachhead over and over again. And we're actually repeating the work of scholars before us, but by seeing the world as seeing the, seeing the divisions that exist within the field, we take on an obligation to complete the work. And, and I'd like to see more scholarship that either 
traces the that either focuses on completing the work within those strands. So, so focuses on critical work that ma that manifests in student learning, or focuses on disciplinary work that makes it different for contemporary citizenship. Or I would like to see work that sits in one classroom, that, that, that sits in multiple classrooms and compares how as if, if someone is really good at bringing student and bringing novice teachers to the starting line for disciplinary work, that teacher educator, I think, should be very interested in what critical folks are doing. And, and critical folks, I think, have a lot to learn from disciplinary work. But I don't see comparative studies happening. I don't see us sitting in multiple classrooms. We're continually getting better at the one thing that we do without seeing what other folks are doing, particularly folks who think differently. And I think that this is a problem both for the our, our capacity to prepare effective novice teachers, but I think it's also a problem for us to that, that, that undermines our ability to speak with one voice in this moment when the social studies are under attack. So I think that we need to engage in comparative work, not to, not to say that we're all doing the same project, but to make sure that we continue to understand one another's project. And that because, and, and that when we are under attack from outside and when our teachers are not safe and when our students are not safe, that we are able to speak about work that we do, about work that, that our colleagues do, about the entire field with a, a boisterous and a, a grounded and knowledgeable voice. But until then, we're just particularistic and unsystematic. unsystematic. <laughs> I, would, I would say bi-systematic. And, and I think that, that we, when we understand that there are two systems, we have the option, the availability of being unparticularistic. Un I think we have continued to, to stay and hone out these grooves. And what's interesting to me is also that both the disciplinary work and the critical work describe themselves in being in opposition to traditional work. There's so much we're not doing just transfer of knowledge. Mm -hmm. But no one, or not no one, but very few people are actually publishing traditional work. We're arguing right. with people who aren't publishing anymore. It's a, it, it's and if a you go into, and If you go into the classrooms, most people are still doing the traditional work. So the research mm -hmm. is, is having this argument with the wrong interlocutor. There's no other scholar to argue with. The people who are really advocating traditional work are demagogues in, in political spaces, not people in academic spaces. So we're having academic discourse with people who aren't there, which is distracting us from having the political discourse we need to be a part of. And I think teachers are kind of uh, left out. I don't see enough. I mean, that's a big question is like, how can we, how can we get this work to transfer out of our discourse into the work of teachers? Yeah. And that's my pet peeve kind of sometimes as a reviewer too, is when we use traditional work, which no one's really arguing for in the field as a straw, straw man for our own work, right? We're like, you should do the thing I'm advocating because this is bad, but no one's arguing for that anymore. Sorry, that's just my thing. I'm like, you know, we have to, and the thing is, is once you get rid of the straw man, then you realize you just, your work has to stand on its own merits, right? Like what it actually does or, or what you can show it does and just get into the nuances of it. There was something well, else you said. Why would you oh. keep a pet peeve? Like, pet. just don't, like if, if it peeves you, just don't take the pet. Yeah, I don't know. I actually don't. I don't know where that phrase comes from at all. It's very strange. You don't one, need to have a pet, particularly one that bugs you. Well, that's I want, awesome. I want I mean, a dachshund. You have to think about all the wild peeves. Like these were the peeves that were tame. <laughs> and they're that's actually a, much safer. You don't. It's better to have a pet one. <laughs> that's a domesticated peeve. Domesticated peeve. So two things. One, I, I'm deeply considering getting 
uh, cross my chest tattooed part particularistic and unsystematic <laughs> or just put that on my tombstone if I if, you know if you if you have the opportunity when I pass I think that's a wonderful phrase so another thing you said is the nature of the studies and I think one critique about our field is that we need to be in classrooms more with classroom teachers right and because then maybe somebody would actually we could do the study and talk to people doing the traditional teaching more traditional teaching and ask them why tell me why you're doing this right we could understand it better and and maybe that's an important line of of research that's that's missing but you said a lot there's a lot of self studies you said there's a lot of people studying work in their own classrooms i can partially say that i know it's because i have a lot of trouble with districts not cooperating right they make it very hard to do research is that is is do you think that's is there any indication why we're getting those studies because i think we all know that we need to be in k12 classrooms more if possible. I think it's very understandable. And, and I do want to say that I, I'm speaking with animation and passion because I have a lot of hope for the field because I, I think that the work that we do is really important. And the best part of writing this study for me was getting to sit down and read over 100 articles. And there are so many good ones. There are so many people who are doing really good work. And I'm animated partially by the fear that, that the good work isn't being seen and isn't being spread. So I engage in this with, with deep admiration for the social studies teachers uh, and the social studies teacher educators. I think our work is necessary. And I think that we're underfunded. And I think that if you look relative you know, to the math and the science literature on teacher education, there's evidence that, that they, A, have more funding. They have more opportunity to, to connect with districts that are prioritizing their subject area. And I think that they also, and this is probably where I'll get in trouble with my, with my math and science colleagues, I think that they also operate with a greater degree of certainty, perhaps too much certainty about what the right answer or what learning or, or looks like within their subject. And I think it's actually partially it's to, I think, the credit of social studies teacher educators that we don't engage in this work from an assumption that we possess knowledge, but actually that we are continually reinvestigating what does it mean to be critical today? And that's, again, what I heard from you, Michael, in the opening is you're you're not wandering into the classroom for the first time, but you are reevaluating the standards of what it means to learn well in this context and in this light. So I think that that's maybe that's partially the nature of the social studies teacher, or at least the nature of the social studies. So I do think that these questions are valuable. I want them to be asked, um, but I also want them to be asked in ways that are um, cumulative, in, in ways that are mutually legible, in ways that enable us to ask them and move forward. Yeah, I, I agree. These math and science teachers are too particular and systematic, honestly. They need to be a little <laughs> less, less so. It's there's a famous quote out there, and it it I my mind says it's Dewey, but that could just be reverting back to there's many Dewey quotes floating around that you know, education researchers are like the one group that start their career and finish it working on the exact same problem. <laughs> and I think the the nature of how we can build on research, which of course we're supposed to do in our literature reviews, right? Review what's been done before and try to figure out what can we add to or or help to understand better or in different ways the work that's been done. So this is I think that's actually not Dewey, but his brothers Huey and Louie. <laughs> <laughs> um, you always have to ask which Dewey, right? Melville or John, too. Oh, but, I was thinking that did you ever seen yes. Ducktales? Yes. Yeah. Yes, the ducks could be friends with our pet peeves. And so what 
I first thing, I hope everyone cites this article. I think it's really an important article for situating our work and figuring out how it's fitting in the field and that allowing us to think a little bit about where our project, you know, what our projects are doing, right? And I think that's really important so that we're not just a bunch of social studies studies, we're a social studies field, right? That is is trying to do something. What what advice do you have for classroom teachers, for researchers, for all of our field to going forward? Well, I think that for classroom teachers, I think it starts by understanding that there are multiple options here and situating yourself in relation to those options. So I think I would have been helped as a teacher if I understood that this workshop is giving me a disciplinary approach. And I should think about how I can make that connect to the present, because that's not something that the disciplinary literature is necessarily ready to do. I think that for educators, it it goes back to what you're saying about being a field and understanding how we're in communication with, with others and situating ourselves to people who are outside of our camp. I think a lot of literature reviews work to take us in conversation with a really small number of other scholars. And I think just a little bit of extra work to situate it to the state of the field, I think would increase the legibility. And also, you know, I write this to, to hold myself accountable to doing research that's going to be meaningful and it's going to be rigorous and, and wide ranging. It would also be very helpful if uh, teacher educators ever want to come down to a schools to do PD. I'll do it, Michael. Do you really? Yeah. Let I love know. a good PD. I do too. I love working with teachers. I actually always jump at the opportunity whenever I get to. And we've seen, I think, in others in other studies. I was just listening to your talk with Kayleen Stevens. But when teachers are able to identify their own perspectives, they're able to deepen their practice. She, she was working with feminist teachers who, when they understood themselves as feminists, were able to go further. I mean, I think that the, the language. I think that that's true of scholars also, that we need to situate ourselves in relationship. And I think that's something that we can give to teachers or, or code and co-develop with teachers is how to, uh, how we can understand ourselves amidst the, this broad world of social studies. Yeah. And I can say, I really do love being with teachers. And I think that's a really important part of the work we do. And I always go in knowing I have so much to learn from them. Oftentimes I'm asked to come present on something particular that I've been working on. One thing that's different between teacher, educator, researchers, and teachers is that we get to just focus in on something more specific and spend a lot of time with it. But I know I went in and I've been doing a lot of work about how we teach about technology and our relationships with technology, how we do that in different areas. And I ended up walking out and partnering with a teacher to do lessons. And when I went into their classroom, I, it was so great. You know, I came out with just like kind of refreshed, rem, like reminders about all the little things teachers do right throughout the day that are really important and uh, parts of the work, right? It's relational, it's, you know, organizational, it's all these things that happen and teachers just have these like wide ranging skill sets that I think are integral. So there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, I'd add that the work that I just did was focused on pre-service teacher education, but I don't think I could have done this study on professional development because there really is not a social studies body of literature on professional development. What we, what I see researchers do is they go and they find great teachers and they, 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 name, they name what makes them great, but I don't see that get distilled for teachers who are past their second or third year. And so we, we are, I think, missing a really critical resource because we had this question of like, what do we do with pre-service teachers that actually makes a difference later in their career that joins the thinking and the doing of social studies teaching? And we identify teachers who can do that, but I don't see how we continue 
at least literature scholarship that, that shows how we are continuing to encourage that growth fifth and sixth and, and 15th year in the classroom. So I think that's a huge place of, of future work where we can be learners and we can also be um, uh, Catholic in our influences. Lightning Jay, thank you so much for spending the time with us and chatting with us today and for listening to our old podcasts. We appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And uh, I'm really excited to hear what my voice sounds like when I download it. <laughs> Lightning, where can our listeners find you and your work online? Honestly, I think the best place is just Twitter right now. I'm just Lightning Jay there, but I, I do have two underscores between Lightning and Jay. Um, so we'll see how good their algorithm is if you try to find me. But yeah, the work is the work is ongoing and hopefully there'll be a, a lot more opportunities to for me to learn and, and for me to engage with folks as we go forward. And we'll be sure to get that Twitter handle in our show notes and including all of the stuff we've talked about. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we certainly hope to continue the discussion on Twitter in our professional development sessions and all the other places where we can talk with and about the work you're doing. All right. At the Visions of Education podcast, we're all about sharing the learning. If you're doing something fun or creative in education, or you just want to chat, maybe about the episode, maybe about whatever, we're here. We're at Visions of Ed. We're on the Twitter. And if you haven't already, subscribe to Visions of Ed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and really anywhere you want us to be. Always quite the promise, wherever you want us to be. <laughs> hey, and if you write us a five-star review, we'll read it on the air. And if you can't think of, of what text to put in your five-star review, I think you can just go with particularistic and unsystematic. Just put it on in there. And we would like to thank Zach Seitz of Wiley High School and the University Zach of North Seitz. Texas for his editing skills. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. Until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast. Signing off.